0: Welcome to God's Messenger Lighthouse Podcast. This is your host, Brother Scott Messenger, bringing you Chapter 14 from Part 1 of Secret Believers, What Happens When Muslims Believe in Christ, by Brother Andrew and Al Jansen. Chapter 14. Hamid groaned as he gained consciousness. The cold of the cement floor added to the growing pain and stiffness he felt throughout his body. He tried to open his eyes but one of them was swollen shut. Out of his left eye, he could see a crack of light under a door. He started to roll over, but a cement wall prevented him from doing so. He reached out in the other direction and immediately felt another slab of cement. To turn over, he would need to lift himself up and twist, but when he tried to push up on his arms, he immediately felt arrows of pain in his arms and ribs. He surrendered to the cement floor and wondered how he had landed in such a hole. Gradually, the memories of the previous day began to emerge. The baptism service in the secret location, it had been the highlight of his life. He had never known such joy as that moment when Brother Andrew had pushed him under the water and pronounced... I baptize you in Jesus in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. For the first time, he had sensed that he was part of the great body of Christ as he stepped out of the pool to greetings of Mabarak from his brothers. For an instant, it seemed that he saw a throng of millions, all in white robes, singing praise to to Jesus, and he knew that he had glimpsed, how he was part of a glorious company of believers around the world and throughout 2,000 years of history. The only choice before us is rejecting you or fully embracing you, he had thought. He had gladly, totally, joyfully embraced his Lord. He was a new person with a new name, Timothy. That was the name of the Apostle Paul's protege trained to evangelize and make disciples. He intended to follow that example. After returning home, he had left his friends in the apartment and walked around the city for several hours, too excited to sit still and too burdened for the people he saw, how he wanted to be used by God to bring more Muslims to Jesus. He had walked back home as the sun was setting, and as he rounded the corner, he'd seen police cars blocking the street. Immediately, he turned and walked quickly in the opposite direction, past the stationery shop, past coffee shops and grocery stores, not knowing where to go, until his heart stopped racing. How stupid! I should have known! There had been evidence that they were being watched. All three of them had made remarks of seeing suspicious individuals who seemed to linger too long around them but they had taken extra care for the baptism to be sure that no one knew where they were going. Still, the police had decided to raid their apartment on this day. What should I do? He stopped and prayed. He thought of Mustafa and Hassan and wondered if they were being held until he returned home. He wouldn't be surprised if police beat his friends to try to find out where he was. What should he do? Should he run and hide? They would surely search for him. No doubt they would go to Buchos. They would hunt down anyone who had any contact with him. He could not put that burden on his friends, so he turned and walked back to the apartment, but it was deserted when he arrived. Soon the landlord knocked on the door and said, The police want to talk to you. I am supposed to call them as soon as you get here. Then please call. I will wait for them the landlord look, looked shocked please you will get in trouble if you don't phone them amid said amid managed to push himself up against uh, up again and this time was able to twist and turn himself over so he could lie on his back but his body screamed in pain he tried talking several, taking several deep breaths but that triggered pain in his ribs and he started to cough which made it all worse. They had beaten him as soon as he'd arrived at the police station, raining down blows with their fists and sticks. They'd cursed him for being an infidel and punished him some more. He'd passed out twice. When he'd regained consciousness, they had dragged him back to his feet and beat him again. He didn't remember being put in this tiny cell that felt like a coffin he could reach out with his hands and feel the cold cement on both sides. What have I done to deserve such a such harsh treatment? I didn't kill or steal or trade in drugs. Whom have I offended by believing in the Christ? The sound of metal, a key turning a lock, jarred him off of his reflection. A pair of hands dragged him by his armpits into the light. Two policemen reached down and yanked him to his feet. He nearly fell over, but they caught him and, pushing and pulling him, got him to a room where an interrogator was seated at a table. The two men who had brought him in stepped back. He wobbled for a moment and then spread his feet so he could remain upright. The questioner let him stand there for a few minutes as he read from a file. Then he looked up and said, You have been conducting illegal religious meetings. Hamid had trouble shifting his concentration away from his pain and understanding the words being spoken. I said, why are you holding these illegal religious meetings? I don't know what you mean. What meetings? He hadn't anticipated the blows coming from behind. The two men struck him, and he fell on the cement floor. One of the men, wearing heavy boots, kicked him, then jumped on his ribs. He screamed as he fell, felt what seemed like bones breaking. The two thugs backed away as he rolled on the ground. So, are you going to cooperate? He could hear the voice of the interrogator. Tell me the names of the people in your meeting. Hamid struggled to understand the question. What meeting was he talking about? A Waha Church. Does that ring a bell, or do we need to provide you with some more motivation? He sensed the two policemen moving toward him again. They seemed eager to inflict a lot more punishment. Now he understood. I don't attend that church. That was the truth. Though the basement was used for the little meetings organized for fellow believers. As the police attacked him, he wondered how they had learned of these meetings. While the blows rained down on him again, he determined... He would not give them the names of his brothers and sisters. They could abuse him all they wanted, but not the others. Your memory isn't very good. We know you and your two friends attend weekly meetings at the church. We want to know why Muslims attend church. We want to know how many attend. What are their names? What do you discuss? Had they followed him to the meetings? Hamid wondered, or was there an informant? Perhaps someone had infiltrated the small group and betrayed them, but that was impossible. They had been extremely careful about who was invited. Only those who were totally convinced that Jesus was Lord were allowed. Still, they could have tortured one or more to get names. Well, they would have to work harder for their information. He wasn't going to reveal anything. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. Jesus had suffered, and now as his body endured more excruciating blows, Amid was joining in the suffering of his Lord. Then he lost consciousness. Boutros looked at Brother Andrew in frustration. For several hours they had tried to obtain information. All they had learned for sure was that Amid, Mustafa, and Hassan had been arrested But as they stood at the entrance to the central justice building, they didn't know for sure where the three were being held. No one could tell them why they had been arrested. As they walked into the cool pre-dawn air, Butros kicked a rock in anger and sent it flying against a parked car that already had several dents. We might as well go home and get some rest. We aren't going to learn any more tonight." Head down, he walked past his car as though somehow by walking the streets he could think of a solution. Andrew followed him. Now that they were away from the building where prying ears might overhear them, Andrew asked, ''Do you think it was because of the baptism service?'' Bucho shook his head. ''We took every precaution, and after we left, all the evidence was removed.'' Could there have been a spy in our midst? No, all the men were very carefully questioned. All of them chose to be baptized, and they would only do that if they truly believed. They walked a little farther in silence. Then Andrew asked, So, what are our options? Those three, Amid in particular, have gotten bolder in their witness in recent months. I know they are careful who they witness to, They always probe, looking for genuine interest, a frustration with Islam, perhaps. Still, they only had to offend one person, someone who learned they were MBBs. Butros didn't finish his thought. What possible charges could they face? Butros blew out a puff of air, then stopped and looked up at the sky that was turning red in the east. They could be accused of insulting a heavenly religion. It's illegal to put down any religion, though it's interesting that the law is only enforced when Islam is the religion attacked. They could be accused of threatening national security. They could be accused of blaspheming the, the prophet. They could be accused of dis- disintegrating uh, the Quran. Obviously, they haven't done any of those things. It doesn't matter All it takes is one angry Muslim to make the accusation to say he saw them tear pages out of a Quran or something like that. Or they could be accused of proselytizing trying to convert Muslims to Christianity. They could accuse them of holding an illegal meeting or they could just hold them without any charges. How long can they hold them without charges? 60 days. But sometimes they extend the incarceration for another 60 days, and then another, they may or may not ever appear in court, and you can be sure they'll be tortured. That's common practice. Are their lives in danger? Could they be killed while in prison? Yes, it has happened. Then we must act. They must not be allowed to do these things in secret. A few days later, the Mahabharat Paid a visit to Hamid's family in Sukk'al Kumas. The men sat in the living room with Hamid's father. The women were dismissed. Your son has been arrested, Blue Shirt reported. On what charge? asked Hamid's father. We were hoping you could help us determine that, White Shirt answered. The reply almost brought the father out of his chair. He didn't like the mukhabarat and had determined over the years, to avoid attracting their attention. That is a strange answer, he said. People aren't generally arrested without a reason. Oh, we have reasons, said Blue Shirt. But we need your help, said White Shirt, pulling out his notebook and pen. When was the last time you saw your son? About three years ago. And where did he go? I don't know. Apparently you do. Maybe you can enlighten me, Blue Shirt smiled and the agitated man at the agitated man said, Sir, we're on your side. Well, it doesn't feel like it. Please tell us why he left. You should ask him yourself. He's of legal age. You have him in custody. He should be able to answer your questions. White shirt interjected. Have you had any contact at all with your son since he left home? The father shook his head. None. He has phoned a few times. He's talked with his mother and sister, but I have not talked with him. And why did he run away? Who said he ran away? Sir, we know this is difficult, Blue Shirt said. We're just trying to understand so we can help your son. By now, the frustrated father was sure that his son was being tortured, and that realization made him angrier. It was one thing for him to beat his son amid had shamed his, the family, but what right did these thugs, the Mukabarat, the police, the government, have to infer- interfere in a family matter? If Amid was an apostate, let the family or tribe handle it. Can you give us any other information that might help us? White Shirt asked, Pen poised over his notebook. Uh, since you won't tell me what crime my son has committed, I don't see how I can help you. The father stood up, hoping to bring an end to the interview. The two men took the hint and decided there was nothing more they could t- learn at, that, at the moment. At the door, Blue Shirt stopped and looked at the father with an expression of concern. It must hurt you terribly to be the father of an apostate. I have a son, just two years old. If my son turned away from Islam, I don't know what I would do. White Shirt said, I'd kill him. Yes, Blue Shirt agreed. That is all you can really do with an apostate if he won't return to Islam, kill him. The torture sessions blurred together. Amid had no idea how many days the horror lasted. How could, or he could remember, electric shocks beating all over his body with various implements, beatings on the soles of his feet that left him unable to walk for days, then being hanged by his clothes, beaten some more, and threatened with rape. It was so savage, so cruel, that his mind could hardly comprehend that such behavior was possible by fellow citizens. There were days when he was left to rot in a cell that wasn't fit even for animals. Drain pipes leaked sewage. The smell caused him to retch. There was no place to sit or lie comfortably, but he had no strength to stand. What had he done to deserve such treatment? He knew the warped answer of his persecutors. He had done the unthinkable and renounced adherence to Islam. No one did that. No one rejected the final revelation of God. But worse, he had embraced Jesus Christ in his society. That was unforgivable. He was a traitor, an enemy of the state. It didn't matter that his country had signed the Charter of the United Nations that says all citizens enjoy freedom of religion, the laws of Islam superseded all other legal systems. Not only did these officials not respect his freedom freedom to choose what he believed, they tr- treated him as subhuman because of his decision. Suddenly the torture stopped. No more beatings, no more questioning about the group of converts at the church. No more screaming at him to come back to Islam. Several more days passed in fog. In a fog. He remembered being transferred to another prison, but when he entered his new cell, he had lain on a thin cot and fallen into a deep sleep. For how long, he could not tell. Now as he woke for the first time, he felt he could move some of his limbs without excruciating pain. He felt his face and then... Cautiously opened his eyes. He could see out of both, and in the hurry of one eye, he saw that there were many others in the room with him. Carefully, he rolled onto his back and looked up at the ceiling. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. The passage from Philippians had been the last clear thought he could remember. Was it morning, afternoon, or night? He didn't know. He would need to find out and resume his daily prayer routine. Prayer seemed to emerge from the depths of his soul. My Jesus, I know that you were tempted like me. You were hungry like me. You were naked like me. You were imprisoned like me. I know loneliness was your companion like me. You were surrounded like an exile, and you resisted face to face. You challenged the reverence of fear and uncovered its cowardice and lies. You transformed the curse of poverty, hunger, and oppression. You changed it from a curse to fertile faith, a true wealth that never fades. You changed the curse to honor, which no longer fears death. Thinking of Mustafa and Hassan, he continued. In the midst of the flames, we are men. It fuels, its fuel, it fuels within us the passion to change the world and a passion for the holy of holies. It teaches us how to take risks and how to bear the essence of valor in any peril. A few moments later, the cell door opened, and the men were released to go outside into a yard. He followed the group outdoors, looked up to the sky, and breathed in a deep breath of fresh air. Then he heard his name called, Hamid, you are here too? He turned and saw Mustafa and Hassan uh, coming toward him. He gave both of the men a warm embrace, though he winced when they hugged him hard in return. Timothy, my brother, Hassan said softly, so as not to attract attention, they beat us but we didn't tell them anything. A week ago it stopped, Mustafa added. We were together in the same cell. The three friends walked together for thirty minutes, comparing notes about their interrogations. Then a guard yelled, interrupting their conversation. Back in your cells, he welded a bamboo stick and any who were too slow felt the sting. Have the attitude of Christ amid "'Reminded his friends as they separated. "'Someone had commandeered his cot. "'There were more men in the cell than cots or mattresses. "'As the door clanged shut behind him, "'he sat in the only available spot near the toilet "'and leaned back against the cement wall, "'exhausted yet somehow exhilarated. "'One of the men in the cell spoke, "'Hey, are you a Christian?' For the first time, Hamid looked at the others. There were perhaps thirty men in a room might meant to accommodate no more than ten. All stared at him. Why do you ask, he said? Because we get a reward if we convert you back to Islam, said the man laying on his cot. Hamid studied the men in his cell. Prayer poured out from his heart. You, my Jesus, are as you are. Unchanging, you forgive, you love, you liberate, you bind up wounds, heal, rejoice, struggle, and hang on the cross alone, as though it were your song alone, your will alone, your revolution alone. My Jesus, before you, the wisdom of this world becomes deaf, dumb, and blind. Who can overcome love? Who? Amid... Now known to Jesus and his brothers as Timothy, grinned and said, "Give it your best shot." Back in Holland, Brother Andrew looked over the draft of two letters. As soon as he'd arrived home, he contacted a news service with the story of the arrests. Within twenty-four hours, an article had been sent to newspaper, newspapers, radio, and television stations around the world. Then he'd asked a staff member who coordinated campaigns on behalf of persecuted Christians to write to the ruler of the country where Amid, Mustafa, and Hassan were imprisoned. Boutros had agreed that if the three men were in danger of being killed, publicity certainly couldn't hurt and might actually help. The ruler, who was trying to maintain beneficial relations with Western democracies, would not want the negative backlash of a gross human rights violation. Toward that end, the letter to the ruler reminded him that, as his country was signatory to the United Nations Charter, Article 55 committed his country to universal respect for and observance of human rights and fundamental freedoms for all without distinction as to race, sex, language, or religion. Before returning home, Andrew had gone with Boutros to meet with the lawyer, a Muslim who was sympathetic to human rights issues. What can we do to help these three men? Andrew had asked. The lawyer had asked in return, "How Have any of these men ever spoken against Islam? Sir, they only speak of their love for Issa, Andrew had answered. Depending on what they said, some might consider that an attack against Islam, so they have no right to speak about their love for one of the great prophets. The lawyer had smiled at the Dutchman's navity, but he had promised that he would file a motion with the court to have the three men either charged or released. However, he warned the police can hold them for 60 days without charge, and then hold them for another 60 days and so on, so it may not do any good. Would a publicity campaign help them? The lawyer had concluded it was probably worth a try, so now the first letters to government officials were sent, and Andrew was determined to keep the pressure on, which was the purpose of a second letter to churches around the world, urging them to pray for the three men and to take some action. Please send appeals in English, or your own language, to, and here he filled in the names and addresses. Please also send notes of encouragement to Amid, Mustafa, and Hassan. Again, an address was provided. Colorful postcards, or short, one-page letters, would be best. Write words of encouragement, saying that you are praying for them and their release and perhaps give them a short scripture verse. In addition, Andrew had scheduled extra meetings in churches throughout England and Holland to tell the story of these men and urge people to pray and write on behalf of their suffering brothers in the body of Christ. Lord, what else can I do? Andrew was determined that these men would not be forgotten. They had paid a great price for declaring their faith in Jesus Christ. The least he could do was intercede on their behalf if he was successful and if hundreds or even thousands followed his lead perhaps these three wouldn't suffer so much but even more important hopefully the struggling church would realize that they were not alone and that there were parts of the body around the world who wanted them to be a strong light in the in this muslim land next time chapter 15 Six months later...